Hello and welcome to Podiatry Practice Mastery. My name is Don Pelto and I have Dr. Peter Wishney here. Uh, welcome, Peter. Thanks, Don. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great You're to welcome. see you again, too, man. Yeah, we, we, saw it, we saw it at an actual personal conference and we're starting to get back into conferences now. Yes. So I wanted to talk about today, you are, uh, you are in private practice, you have a very well run practice. That's the one thing that I hear about you all the time. And, and you were telling me a little bit before that's your marketing board behind you. So if someone has a board for marketing, that's an important thing. Right. And I think I'd like to talk to you about podiatry, your podiatry coaching. And really, the question is, why don't more podiatrists have great success in practice? Are there, can you boil it down to a few things? Um, see, one thing is I want to let everyone know podiatry is not different than any other business. We love to separate ourselves from all, we eat uh, our own, you know, we, we like so competitive. That's just mm -hmm. business in general. Okay. So it's not just podiatrists or orthopedists or this specialty business we're in business. And that's what happens. Um, I truly believe if you're a business person or not, let's say you're a, you're a podiatrist, who are we speaking to? You didn't go to school to learn about business. So that's one thing. That's our excuse. That's our fallback. But look at business people open up a dry cleaners, you know, or whatever business, small business opened up. Most of them fail anyway within five years. And that's because they didn't do their due diligence on learning how to run a business. It's not so easy. It's not just dry cleaning. It's not just doing bunion surgery or taking care of people's feet. There's a lot involved in dealing with our patients and our clients, our customers. So reading, you know, or listening, because a lot of us don't read anymore. We have everything's on, you know, we're visual more. We want to see videos and, or some of us like to relearn by listening to some an audio tape. Um, whatever it is, constant learning. You know, once we are done with residency, we now we're not done learning on about medicine, on podiatry. We are definitely not done with learning about running a business. And even if you're an associate, you should learn about a business because you can become a better associate you can make more money as an associate if you know what to expect and how to run your part of your of that business. Even though you don't own it, you can make your patients feel better and refer more patients to you and ask for you. So I really think it's because we don't we, we don't continue to learn. And um, and then the next thing is true about anything as well, and that's our mindset. We believe oh, I'm not good at numbers. I'm not good at this. I, you know, I'm just not, that's not who I am. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm the surgeon and that's it. And I, you know, it's the difference between passion, liking something and saying you're not good at it. Okay. okay. None of us are good at being a leader. Really, um, Don, if you get, if, you know, you get to know what I'm all about and what I've learned after 31 years in practice, it's truly leadership. Leadership, becoming the best leader you can be on a daily basis is the only way that's going to set you free from your practice it is what's going to allow you to trust the people around you for them to make decisions based upon the mission and vision you set forth to your organization. And then you can go 
see your patients, and then go on a boat, go fishing, whatever you like to do more often, um, and have a great running practice because you become a better leader. And none of us, none of us have been trained, have been born a leader. We need to constantly learn about leadership. And, and that's what I think is the reason why. Thank you, Peter. And, and, and I, I was writing down notes as you were talking here. Cool. Because I think what we think, I could speak to myself, maybe to you. I think what we think is there, if I just get this one thing, this one marketing thing, this one YouTube thing, this one thing, it's just going to solve all my problems. And, and from what you're telling me, it, it, that's not the solution that doctors are going to find. Uh, right. You look up behind me is my organization, my marketing board. I have an organizational board. This is my marketing organizational board. There are certain things that we do on a daily basis that when we stop, we see a drop in our new patients. And those things have nothing to do about spending money. Those things are calling all of our new patients the next days to see how they're doing. Writing new patient letters or new patient cards, whatever you like, and sending them to those patients. Sending a, a your, your review of findings for that patient to the patient's primary care physician. Those things, which cost absolutely nothing, okay? It's all about customer service and taking care of the people. I know every single podiatrist that's listening to this became a podiatrist, became any kind of doctor because we love taking care of people. If we love medicine, but did not want to take care of people, we could have been a pathologist, an anesthesiologist, okay? Mm -hmm. But we love podiatry because we love talking to our patients and helping them in all aspects, not just the foot and ankle problems, but who they are. And that you have to go back to the basics and doing those things. And those are the things, that extra things. Think, just think about when you go to get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. We are so used to a certain kind of service when that service is, does not meet um, your expectations that day, you get annoyed, okay? And it's a one-time thing, but you still get annoyed because that's not what you expect from Starbucks. And so it's the same thing about your practice. That's what keeps you going to Starbucks. It's the experience. It's not that we wanna spend three and a half dollars for a cup of coffee, okay? It's the mm -hmm. experience. And that's all we have to do is make the experience wonderful. And that will, so it's not just the gadget. The gadget helps them get better, faster, mm -hmm. but, and they could come in for that gadget. But if you don't have that great service, they're not gonna keep on coming back or refer other people. Now, now Peter, for the, for the doctors that are listening, they might say, you know, gosh, I'm just too busy for me to write every note or me to write every thank you card or me to call every patient. Does every doctor, are they just gonna, do they have to do it themselves? Or is there something that maybe I'm kind of leading you down. Do you do you send every, do you write handwritten one, everyone, or do you have a staff that helps and does the calls? How do you do it? Right. So um, I'm going to give you a quote that I love from Tony Robbins, okay, who I, I, you know, from UPW, but I saw him years and years ago. If you want something done or need something, okay, but you, but you don't have the money for it or you don't have the time or you don't know how, ask yourself a better question. So we always answer by saying, I don't have the time. So ask yourself a better question. How can I get this done quickly without me doing it? Okay. So that's the question. When you ask your subconscious mind a better question, you will get a better answer. And, and the answer to that is one automate 
and two, have people around you that can do this. So we have a basic ladder that's in our system, but I actually um, make it, I personalize it by, there's a special paragraph that's, the paragraph in this letter is empty and I have templates. So let's say you come in with plantar fasciitis, Don. I have this template that says, as I explained to you on your, on your appointment, comma, you are suffering from a condition called plantar fasciitis, which is an inflammation of a ligament on the bottom of your foot. On your visit, I did X, Y, and Z. And then on your next visit, I'm going to do ABC. Okay. I copy and paste it into the paragraph of the letter and I send it off to my marketing person who will mail it the next day. Perfect. Wow. Okay. So it's automated. And you know about automation because I know you have a, all your processes automated. Mm -hmm. So again, that's what I do. And you could take it, let's say you're really, really busy. Um, you can just send to your marketing person, plan if I shout this letter, let them do it, okay? Because what, what we don't do, a lot of us, a lot of us, not all, everyone, small-minded. Oh, that means I need another person to do this. Well, let's say this person gets paid $15 an hour. Let's say you're gonna hire a college student who can do this kind of stuff, pay them $15 an hour. What is a new patient to the practice worth? At least $450, $500 for that visit. Mm -hmm. So if you can increase your new patients with uh, just having an, one more person in your office working part-time doing something like this, you'd probably do this from home, then isn't it worth it? Yeah. And Peter, something that you talk a lot about this is different than a one-off. Well, I, I'm I need patients. I'm going to write a few letters. This is what you call you call making systems, right? Controlling systems. Exactly. Um, it's it's like we all have a list that says if I could do this, I would see more patients. I would be able. I will have more patients. I will make more money. If I did this, I would make more money. But I can't do that yet because I don't have the money. It's the same thing that people do. It's like when um. I have the money, I will go to medical school. None of us had the money. And most of us never had the money to go to medical school. I mean, some of us are still paying off loans. Me too. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, the thing is, that will never happen. Okay, when I have this, this will happen. Make it happen now and, and then see what happens. And then also realize that when you get more new patients, there are other issues that you have to handle. You might need a staff member. You're getting busier. Um, so be careful what you wish for. But mm -hmm. you have to think ahead and automize, systematize your practice so it can just like every everything has a system. So we need more staff. That should be a system in its in its own right where you have an ad ready to roll, send it out, go through this long process that none of us like, but that's why I have an administrator or somebody in the office who can do the initial interview. To run the systems. Right, exactly. You have to do that so you can do what you love to do, and that's seeing the patients. That's great. Um, I also wanted to ask you, in your opinion, because when you work with clients and you help them with, with coaching and, and things, what are, what are the biggest barriers to improvement and change in, in the podiatrist that you work with? It's, it's mindset. It's the ability to take, okay, I call it a risk. I don't, I think a lot of these things are not risks. A risk is something, something where you're going, 
Mm -hmm. It's something new. It's a change. And change, people don't like change. What about it? This is what people always say. What about if this doesn't work? What about if I hire this person and uh, he or she does not work out and I'm not making more money? Well, that's the cost of doing business. And that's when you say, I don't have the right person, so I have to find a new person. Or maybe this idea didn't work. And you move on to the next idea. You're not saying go, let's say, invest into a $2 million building that I hope I would fill it. Okay, now when I bought my, my building, um, we all have these kind of thoughts. I said, well, you know what? It's a big office. It's 4,500 square foot feet. I want to put physical therapy in. And I did. I put physical therapy in. I hired a physical therapist and it worked for a while until deductibles went through the roof. And this was out of network physical therapy. So people wouldn't want to pay all that kind of money uh, for the physical therapy of all those visits. So I said, you know what? That's why you always think ahead. Um, I called around and this big physical therapy company called Kessler rents out my space, rents out a thousand square feet. They pay me rent, actually pay me, and it goes towards the mortgage. And I didn't lose any money. I made a few bucks the first few years. Uh, life things change and when things change we all let's put it this way don we all survived covid if you think you can't handle change you we all survived and most of us thrived mm -hmm. during covid so now you can handle anything say you have to have that mindset saying now i can handle anything and that's the same thing with the physical therapy i had i i shifted you know deductibles went up i wasn't the right model for me anymore i shifted always shift and think ahead that there's always options. And so uh, most of us do not like to take certain risks. They don't want to know, I know if I had this laser, um, it'd be great, but who's going to pay for the laser? Um, and you ask around, you get information, you, um, you speak to your patients and you learn how to promote your services better. Mm -hmm. All those things make us better. That, that's great. I, I think the, the worst activity is no activity. I think we're so scared of being wrong, Pete. You know, we're so, I'm so scared of making a mistake. We don't do anything. And that's the biggest problem. Yes. Uh, you're absolutely right, Don. Um, you know, fear, fear in itself is what will slow us down. The people who are, just look around and say, say to yourself, who do you, um, who, who do you idolize? Who are your mentors? Who are the people in your life that you feel are very successful? All have taken risks and a lot of them have failed more than they have succeeded. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about, you know, you only don't need to succeed a lot. You just need to do it. when you do it, you need to do it big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to get, yeah. But you have to keep trying to get to that one big thing. You may have failed right. 20 times until you get that one thing. And I, that's where it goes back to Peter, what you're talking about is mindset. So let, let's talk about I want to go really granular in because you're a habits and system guy. Mm -hmm. What is your system for reading books? What's your system for podcast? What's your system for learning on a daily basis or a monthly basis? How do you right. do it? So right over here, the thing I told you uh, is my full focus planner. You have a planner as well. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you know about this one. And at the beginning, it's, it says, talks about write down your daily habits. So um, I get up. I'm not a morning person. So let's start with that. But I do get up now about 4.30 in the morning. And um, yeah, and you don't have to do this. You just make it, 
make it your way. Yeah. Um, I get up, I have my coffee with my MCT oil that rakes up my brain. With your butter, butter too? Yeah, the, bulletproof yeah, the bulletproof, yeah, the yeah, bulletproof coffee. Um, so have some water, take my vitamins, sit down and thank you for the uh, gratitude journal. Okay, and I write three to five things I'm grateful for. Um, I read something about leadership from John Maxwell. I plan my day and then I have a, then I read um, at least five pages in the morning and five pages at night. Uh, it gets my day going. You know what, Don, we're not perfect. We're not always a hundred percent right on. And every day that's what happens. Yep. Some days in order to write my book, I say, this is, I got to get up early and write my book. Okay. I'm not doing any of this stuff, and, but that's what I needed to do. And that's okay. But some days we don't do anything. We're just lazy. We are humans. Yep. And it's okay. Yep. But you do checks and balances and realize the days that you don't follow your routine, you're not on your game as much. There are exceptions. Uh, and yeah. You're like working out. I know I feel better. It's a perfect example. You know, you don't want to work out that day. But you also know that if you did, you would have a better day. Yeah, <laughs> but, you're right. You're but you're, right. Yeah, but you just don't want to. And sometimes you just, I call my train and say, I'm not coming in today. I, I find, uh, I don't know about you, is there certain personalities, but I, I think sometimes we overwhelm ourselves with too many things on that ritual list. Like for me, I get a little overwhelmed with, let's say I, I subscribe to a podcast. And there's like 50 unviewed episodes. I go into overwhelm and sometimes I have to like, okay, not do anything. And let's just go back five pages a day. Cause I think we, we, we can kind of overfill our time sometimes. Right. And I, I get that too. I get that when, um, oh, you have to listen to this podcast and um, you get an email. I just put up this, uh, this podcast or this information that you should read and that thing's, oh, that sounds great. I really need to do that. And then you sit back and go, what's the one thing I need to do today to make today the best day and to revisit, truly revisit your goals. You know, I, I always think about some people who don't do goal setting must think that we are nuts, that we're always, always talking about goals, mm -hmm. but it keeps you focused on what's really important. And it's not just a goal about your business. It's a goal for every aspect of your life. And what's really, really important is not the business. It's about the relationships you have with the special people in your yeah. life and the downtime, the things you love to do for fun. But in order to get there, in order to have time for that, you need to plan properly and you need to have goals. And then goals allow you to stay focused on that one, two or three things you must do today. And that's it. If you did those two or three things, you had a great day. You don't have to worry about a huge list. You know, um, you want to eat healthy today and you know, you end up having a chocolate bar, but you know what? You had a great talk with your administrator and the staff is loving working there. So you focus. I got to tell you something. So and this this comes from my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. uh, I was married for uh, 21 years. And the start of my practice, I would see a lot, a lot of patients. I would like, let's say I would see 50 patients in a day. And I would come home and get annoyed about that one patient that pissed me off. And she said to me, I will never forget this. What about the other 49 people you saw today? How did they do? And I never forgot this because we focus on that one annoying person. <laughs> the one, only one thing that made our day, that we think made our day bad. Instead of focusing on what is what really went right, all of a sudden your whole mood changes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's just, and that's just people, but anything in your life, you know, you didn't do everything perfect today, but overall, you got a little closer to what you want in your life. That's all. Some people talk, Peter, about doing, I know I'm being successful when list. I know I'm being successful when, and just write down a few things. And then, right. you know, one thing I, I think of is, did I do the best I can? You know, did I do the best with the knowledge I had? Did I do the best I can? I did. Okay. You know, I'd maybe not didn't get the result I wanted, but I did the best I knew how to do. And That's all you can do. Yeah. That's good. all you can do. And now, you know, as we kind of finish up, we've covered a, a lot of things here for those that are listening. Could you tell me some stories? And the first thing I want to ask you, does progress happen fast with those that you coach or does it happen slow? I'll tell you my progress. It takes a lot longer than I ever thought it would take to make any change. I think about my YouTube. It's taken me, like I messed up here, messed up here, did this thing wrong, did this thing wrong. And people think you're a success, but they don't see all the junk you went through to get there. Okay. And so those that you coach, does progress take a while? And give me a success story of one person kind of that did well and what they did in their practice. Okay, great. So um, we all want, we all want, especially me, want things to happen overnight really quickly, right? We all do. And now that after being in practice for so many years, I look at what I have, what I achieved, and it seems like it happened overnight. But when you sit back and think about where I was when I was 29 years old and today, it's like it didn't happen overnight. All the evenings and the late nights that put in to get here, and it's well worth it, but it, it didn't happen. Ray didn't happen overnight. So the people I coach, I get them to think about little successes because you don't go from like making $5,000 in a week to making, you know, $50,000 in a week overnight. Mm -hmm. You go from five and you see, oh, look at it, six and what's happening? A little more new patients. Okay, so we have more new patients. How do we get those new patients? What can we do to reinforce that, that, um, that effort and everything you did to get those new patients? Let's reinforce that um, and keep on slowly growing, knowing to think ahead. Okay, now we're going to need another medical assistant. Let's start looking now, okay, before your numbers drop down. And that's exactly what these people are doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I coach them, they are step by step, what's needed. And I'll tell you, Don, the number one thing that is common with every doc that I see that I coach or don't coach, they don't either have their right number of staff or the right staff. Hmm. Usually it's both. Okay. You need to take the time to slow down. And you hear Rem say this all the time. And I say it, slow down to speed up. You can't get new patients to refer other new patients and give them the greatest service in the world. If you don't have the people to do it, that you can't do everything. You can't see more patients by doing everything. When I first started, I had a coach after three months. I had a front desk person. That's it. Remember, you won't know this, you're too young, but before there were digital x-rays, there were um, automatic, they were like automatic developing. Plain film processor, yep. <laughs> yeah. And before that, Don, okay. Dip there tanks? Was there was something called dip tanks. Okay, so I would be taking x-rays of patients, go in the dark room, which is really dark, 
Okay, and you gotta like guess where the hanger is and put the film on the hanger and then dip it from one fluid, put the timer on, wash it to the other fluid and do it back and go back in and out. And that was, that was me, but I was seeing maybe five patients in a day, all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. So this consultant said to me, I need a medical assistant. I said, for what? The five, six, seven patients I'm seeing per day? Why? Why do I need to spend the money? I'm, I'm no different than everybody else who's listening to this um, or listening and watching this mm -hmm. uh, podcast right now. Okay. We all think this way. And she said, okay, you need this. Now I do one thing. If I hired you, I'm going to listen to you because if I'm, if you're wrong and I listen to you, then I could say I want my money back. Yes. <laughs> but if yep. I don't listen to you, okay. And do it my way, even though I hired you, whose fault is it? So, but I dipped my toe in the water. I didn't hire a full-time MA. Did what a lot of us do. Hired a part-time MA. Okay, so I hired the part-time MA and within three months, I not only needed that part-time MA, I needed another full-time MA. I needed one and a half. Build it, they will come. You have to build it in order to provide the services you need. The things that you want to do, like I said before, patients who missed their appointment, who's calling them and saying, you know what? You missed your appointment. Hope everything's okay. Um, we have an opening today that we can get you in. Who's doing those things to go the extra mile um, to, to help you grow your practice? Yeah. So build it, get the right number of staff. And people are going to ask me, what is the right number of staff? Okay, so it depends on the practice that you have. But if you're a solo practitioner, you need your front desk person, you need a medical assistant, you might have a billing service. If you don't, you need someone in finance, okay? Um, and then the key is that maybe uh, as you grow, have a, uh, I call someone who's course trained for front and back. But if you provide a lot of ancillary services, DME, services and yeah. exactly, all these other things, it's normal to go above that formula and hire another staff person who just handles that kind of, of work because those ancillary, ancillary services are increasing your per visit revenue and they're making you money. Wow. So yeah, so um, every office is different, but having the right staff and taking the time, hiring the right people. And the one thing we all hate is training. So you find the key people who now become your trainers in that department. So anytime you need another person, you have someone who does the training. After you had that system in place, you can now start getting more patients in the practice, developing the uh, the white glove service, you know, and wowing them to to like wow. crazy amounts and offering them, you know, coffee or tea or yep. whatever, snacks. Um, and you have to do that because that will set you apart from everyone else and they want to come to you. They will talk about you when they leave their practice. They will leave you five-star reviews, which is how people, what people are doing today. Yeah, and looking to see how many five-star reviews you have. Yeah, Peter, uh, as I'm going to ask you just in a second about how they can learn more about you uh, and okay. use you as a coach and, and you get your book and things like that. But I want to just emphasize two things that you mentioned that I think are of vital importance. If you could take one thing, two things away, I, I think the, the the first thing is when someone that has more experience, like 30 years in practice, or a, someone writes a book. I think you should do what they say versus trying to think of reasons not to do it. I think that's the first thing is taking action. 
right. Dan Kennedy says, take action, Jackson. That's the one thing in, in so taking action. And then the second thing is, is you probably need more staff. And, and that might be a marketing person. There's certain ways to do virtual assistance. If you don't want, if you can do it from home, but spending the money on staff so you don't have to do that stuff. You set it up, but you know, I think we've talked about a lot of the marketing stuff you probably shouldn't be doing, but you should set up. So I think that's great. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. This was, this Welcome. was great. Um, if people want to learn more about your book, about your coaching, where can they go? What's the best uh, website or location? Toppractices.com. Top and uh, you just go into the resources area there and um, you'll find you find the book. Um, I can get you the link for that. Okay. And then there's all these courses that I do in the private one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. And you can email me. Anybody has a question, email me, peter at toppractices.com. Great. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Don. It's a pleasure.